morning, everyone. It is great to see each and every one of you here today. And just as it looks like we are now into summer, hallelujah! So I hope everybody's had some time to celebrate doing some stuff outside and being out in uh, the lovely weather. But I'm glad that you're here today to celebrate Jesus and we get to do that together. And there's just a thought that I have today that I've been praying that you would all experience more of God's manifest presence in your life every day. That you would be aware of him. You'd be aware of him uh, around you as we've been talking about being Jesus followers and following him. And part of it is being able to hear his voice and know that he's for you and he's not against you, that he's with you wherever you go today. Well, today is a big day. Uh, As Naomi already shared in our announcement time, and I want to make sure that I get my part here just to say a great big thank you to all of our volunteers, that we have so many great volunteers. And I love to say this, a great church comes from great people. And we have great people here at Eastside City Church. And I just want to say thank you for the blessing of all of you that have served in whatever capacity over this last year, this crazy year, right? We had another crazy year. We thought we only were going to have one of those crazy years, but we, we got two of them uh, with COVID and all that. And so one of the things that she talked about that we decided to do this year, that normally we would do a big uh, evening banquet, or we would do something where we brought all of our volunteers together and, and, and did awards. But we felt like for this year, what would be more valuable was for each team to be able to have um, a dinner celebration uh, around just being together, laughing together. And I've got to experience three of these with different groups of people. We've done our kids' ministry, uh, our worship team. Uh, the other night we did our youth leaders. And there has been raucous laughter and joy of people just being able to be together. And I know that it not only pleases me, but I believe it blesses the heart of God. And I think that is something that's great. Well, today after this service, we'll be celebrating with our frontline team and small group leaders and kitchen people and all those that kind of fit into some different categories. And I'm looking forward to that as well. And I want to remind you, if you're here and you're kind of thinking about what to do or where you're at, maybe you're new to this church. uh, Again, we want to use this as a time to encourage you to think about maybe for next year, what you might be able to do. And we talk about next year being uh, the fall. We start in September as kind of our our new year. That's an opportunity. Or maybe you have some time this summer. Uh, We love to give all of our our regular volunteer team a break. And so if you're like, hey, I got a weekend or a week here, is there something I could do to to volunteer over the summer? Would you please let us know? We would love to see you get involved. I tell you, you will be blessed. And as part of the celebration today, everybody gets cupcakes. Hallelujah. Hey, who doesn't like a cupcake? Come on. Blue lips and teeth, it's awesome. Now, I need to clarify something that I shared in my message last week that um, I made a statement as we were talking about the Bible being the absolute truth. I'm not recanting that. I believe that 100%. But I said the Bible was without controversy in one of my points, and that is not true. Uh, The Bible is very controversial depending on what your point of view is depending on how you see things, depending on how you interpret different parts of it. But the reality of it is that that, um, when we read the Bible, we need to understand that in its current, in its uh, original form and what God designed for us, it is the source of all truth. 
And I believe that we can go to the Bible for all of the questions of life to gain godly answers. Well, next week, amen? Is that an amen? Well, next week, we're going to be doing, starting a new series, what I'm excited about. It's called Walk Across the Room. And it's about growing a heart for people, growing a heart for reaching people. We're going to be talking about how sometimes we look at this as a mystical, mythical thing that somehow we, we begin to talk about words like evangelism and where our hands get sweaty, uh, our palms get a little, our heart pumps a little bit more because we think it's this crazy or, or this difficult thing that you have to know all of the Bible or have special things. But God's design and desire for each and every one of us is that we would be people that represent him and are able to share our faith and the love of Jesus with other people. And we're going to have a fun time talking about that. Well, I want to start off our last message in our series, Follow Me, talking about uh, uh, just uh, um, an issue or a, or a topic that I believe that challenges people from all walk of life. And I like to start off with a story. And uh, when, I was a, uh, when I was 17 years old, uh, one of the things that I did is I got a paper route. Now, not the typical paper route that you think about where you can ride your bike and, and go door to door and throw the paper uh, on people's doorposts. I actually was a delivery guy for the Oregonian newspaper, which was Portland's newspaper. I lived an hour north of it. And my, my route went for 45 kilometers every day. And so I had to use my car and I would drive, and there was one morning when I went to go deliver the papers, and my car was out of gas, so guess what I did? I took my mom's car. You know, why not? It's two in the morning. She's not going to miss it. She wouldn't notice it. And on my route, I ended up pulling into a driveway that uh, I don't know why I did it. I'd never pulled into it before, but it was a, a driveway that was gravel and it went downhill on an angle. And the difference was I had, my car was a, that I drove normally, was a, a 78 Datsun wagon, front wheel drive. My mom's car was a Oldsmobile Delta 88. It had a 305 engine in it. It was a V8. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Uh, terrible for gas mileage, but I, but it was rear wheel driving. So when I went down into this driveway with my, my wheels heading uh, forward and I went to back out, it couldn't pull the car out. It just, the wheels just spun. Well, I, I did what, you know, because I was such an experienced off-road driver. I just floored that baby until the tires blew off. <laughs> well, now it was 3.30 in the morning and I didn't have a car, and I still had 50 papers to deliver, which, by the way, part of the deal was whenever you were late with your deliveries or you missed a delivery, you know what they did? They called my house at 7 in the morning. So I called my mom, and I said, hey, guess what? <laughs> I need some help here. I'm stuck. And she's like, what? I said, yeah, I took your car, and two tires are flat. And not only do I need you to come and get me, but by the way, while I'm repairing the two flat tires, can you go deliver the rest of my papers for me? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's not fun when we get into places where we get stuck. And today we're going to talk about, I mean, we've talked about some challenging things about 
praying and, and how we can spend time with God and how do we pray for an hour. And we've talked about picking up our cross and, and sacrificing our own will for God's will. We've talked about um, just even last week how, we, how to centering our lives around the word of God isn't always convenient. His truth and our truth maybe sometimes are, are different. And when we don't know what to do, we go with what he says. And it can be very difficult. But today, this is where I believe a lot of people miss out. And this is so important is the, is the challenge of releasing forgiveness instead of holding on to offenses. Because if you don't let go of offenses, you will always be stuck. Now, Jesus made this statement to his disciples in Luke chapter 17. He said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they come. What's he saying there? He's like, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter whether you have lots of money or no money. It doesn't matter. You will experience offenses in your life. Is it true? Is there anybody here who's never been offended? Could you, you know, I don't want you to raise your hand. Because we know it's not true that we will face places in our life where we will be misunderstood, will be mistreated, sometimes even mislabeled, where people will accuse us of things that aren't true. And we will experience hurt from other people. And I know right now you're just like, Pastor Todd, this is so exciting. And here's the saddest part, because I'm going to get to the really dark part first, that the deepest and most difficult hurts typically will become, come from people you've invested the most time with. Family, friends, people you trusted, people you invested yourself in. Those are the ones that are hard. You don't expect it. Many times you don't even see it, but boom, it hits you. And here's what I want you to understand. How you deal with the offense will either push you towards your destiny or trap you where you are robbing you and sometimes even those around you from a greater future. I believe this, that forgiveness is a litmus test to determine true Jesus followers. Because true followers of Christ live a life of forgiveness. It's part of what they do. It's just who they are. It begins to become part of their nature. I believe this, it's impossible to follow Jesus when you hold on to unforgiveness. So then how should we deal with offenses? Well, we're going to turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. And if you ever were to read any chapter on the Bible about how to deal with forgiveness and offenses, Matthew 18 is the book. It's the chapter. And so we have this story and Peter comes to Jesus and he says, it says in verse 21, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Well, Peter thought he was just, he was getting, he was being a big man. He was way out there. And, and Jesus replied, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he goes on to tell a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Who thinks millions of dollars would be a lot of money? He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, 
his children and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant? Just as I had mercy on you. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until his entire debt had been paid. That's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Father, I pray today, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive, God, everything you have for us. Lord, that when it comes to this area, Lord, of forgiveness and dealing with offenses, Lord, may we, may we listen and not just listen to what you say. May we not just know what we should do, but Lord, would you give us the heart to walk through it? to follow through. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the Apostle Peter because he's the one guy that was always in the middle of every controversial activity or discussion, wasn't he? You read the Bible, it was always Peter. Peter was the, the one who was crazy enough and bold enough to ask Jesus if he could walk on the water. And guess what? He did. He's probably the only person besides Jesus that did that. He got into discussions sometimes where God or Jesus would say, you know what, Peter, your, 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 your wisdom, the things that you're asking, man, only God could have revealed it to you. And then in another moment, he would tell him, get behind me, Satan. The spirit from where you come from is not good. And here in true Peter fashion, he asks this incredibly important question to Jesus. He says, how many times am I obligated to forgive someone? Now, I think that's a legitimate question. I mean, maybe you've had it yourself. How many times do you just forgive somebody for repeating the same things over and over and over again? I mean, sometimes we're like, you know what? I think I'm a, a generous person. You do it two or three times. We're good. But you know, you start hitting four or five, you better change or that's it. And so he's really asking Jesus, when am I no longer required to forgive them? A person can have only so many chances, right? I mean, if somebody is a, a moron or is continually hurtful and mean to me, there must be a limit to the forgiveness. That's, that's what he is. And Jesus, like he was known to do, he answers the questions by telling a story, which we call a parable. And the story centered around a king and two servants, and the first servant that we see is a man who owed, had borrowed a significant amount of money. He actually owed over a million dollars. I don't recommend that you borrow money from people, especially family members, unless you don't like them. 
But the first man borrowed over $1 million from the king and was now being sent to collections. It was time to pay the piper. And the problem was the man was broke, the Bible says. He was unable to pay the deficit. He didn't have the money. And the the debt was so great that he would never, ever be able to pay it in his whole lifetime. And unlike today where you receive maybe a few harassing phone calls from from bill collectors, his penalty was now that he was going to be totally in prison. And not only himself, but his family as well, his wife, his children. And I'll come back to why... This is an important point here in a bit. You see, debtor's prison was not a good place. It was a place of torment and generational imprisonment. Now now, now there was a second servant who also owed some money, but he didn't owe it to the king. He owed it to the first man, and he owed the first man a few thousand dollars. Now, I have to say this, that we sometimes I've read this scripture, I've heard it preached, and sometimes people kind of go, well, that's the, the, the amount of money that the second guy owed the first guy wasn't really that significant. That's not true. I don't know about you, but if somebody, uh, you know, if, if I had a few extra thousand dollars in my pocket, it makes a big difference, hey? You know, uh, you, you, it's not like you're just like, oh, I don't miss that. And if you don't miss it, let me know. I'll, I'll take it off of your hands. It's, it's something that I'll help you with that. And so... The difference, though, was that with some good planning and diligent saving, he could probably, in a few months to a year, pay it back if he really worked hard at it. But here's what happens in the story. The first man does the only thing he can do when the king tells him, you look, you got to pay up or you're going to go to jail. He falls on his knees and he begs for his debt to be forgiven. Now, What's so funny about this thing is that when he's begging, he asks the king for more time, like more time was going to help him. He makes a false promise. He goes, if I just had more time, I would pay off this debt. Look, I will work hard. I will do extra. I'll get an extra job. I'll do whatever I have to do. Even if it takes 25, 30 years, I will pay off the, the debt. And he looks to do what is impossible in his own strength or through his own work, something else we're going to talk about. That somehow he, in his own ability, could, could change this. But here's the king. The king looks at him. He listens to him. He hears what he has to say. And his heart is moved with compassion, it says. And he decides to do something amazing. He completely forgives the debt. Could you imagine if tomorrow, every single one of your bills that you had, your mortgage, your, 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 whatever you owe on your credit cards, whatever you have to, to pay somebody, all of a sudden they came to you and said, look, not, you, you, it's all paid for you. What do you think you would do? I mean, there would be, there'd be some celebration. There would be happiness. I mean, you'd be like, whoa, what am I now going to do with the, the money now that I'm, that's coming in? I don't have to worry about X, Y, Z. I can just use it for, for regular stuff. Whew. Could you imagine the relief you would have felt? I bet there were tears of joy and great celebration. He was free, but not only was he free, his family was now free. A couple years ago, I had a watch that I really loved. 
But the wire, it had a wire wristband that had become frayed. It was a very unique kind of a wristband, not, not what, something you could pick up at one of those kiosks in the mall and just kind of throw a replacement on it. And my, the face of my watch had become scratched. And so I ended up contacting the manufacturer and, and discovered that neither were under warranty. I mean, you always hope, and that I would need to pay for the repairs. They said it would be a couple hundred dollars. And so I really love this watch, so I, I sent them both in, and, and the way that the transaction was supposed to work on the, the agreement, I was to give them my credit card number, and once they were done fixing it, and they mailed it, they would charge my credit card. And, and so here's what happened when about a month later, six weeks later, the watch was returned to me, and I was like so happy. It was like, I love this watch. It, it's, it, was a, it, it was great. But I noticed my credit card wasn't charged. Now, some of you might have been like, yeah, but that's not how I, the, the way I felt. I was like, okay, something's wrong here. What, what, what do we do? Do you guys forget something? And so after a few conversations, we talked about it. We went back and forth, and, 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 and all of a sudden, they sent me an email saying, uh, Mr. Swisher, your debt has been forgiven. Woo. Wow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was happy. Now back to our story, as the man was heading home, I believe this, he's probably in high spirits, all of a sudden he's approached by the, his fellow servant, a co-worker, somebody that he had spent time with who owed him approximately, let's say, $3,000. You know, you think after the gift that he had just received, he would have been full of grace and compassion and that he would have been looking for an opportunity to pay forward, to pass on to the gift that he had just received. But instead of being compassionate, the Bible says that he grabbed the other man by his throat and demanded that he pay the debt or he was going to go to jail. Now, who thinks that's crazy? I mean, it is the craziest thing there. We all can see it. And as you can imagine, the king eventually found out what had happened and he becomes furious towards the man. And he rescinds his debt forgiveness. He rescinds what he had said he would do. And in his anger, he sends the man along with his whole family to prison until the debt was paid in full. What a tragedy. But here's the reality is this, that this tragedy repeats itself every day in the lives of people, even Christians. People have been forgiven a great debt of sin. God in his mercy and his grace and his kindness sent Jesus to us and he's forgiven us of our sins and we continue to hold on to offenses towards other people. Instead of releasing forgiveness that has been extended towards us, we keep track of injustices, counting all the times that we've been wronged. Instead of releasing life-giving forgiveness, we hold on to our wound that further damages us and those around us who we love. As we look at this story, we know that the characters, the character is this, we know that the king in the story represents Jesus. Jesus is the king. And we are the people, we are the first servant who owe a massive debt. Why, how do I know that we owe a massive debt to God? Because Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We all have, have had sin in our life. 
I mean all of us. There is nobody here without sin. We've at one point told a lie. Sworn at somebody in anger. Had a lustful thought. Been filled with hate. And here's the thing. One small sin, even the tiniest sin, has made us guilty and deserving of death. You might be all over, that's not really fair. Yeah, that's how it is. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You see, our debt of sin required payment. It required innocent blood, something none of us could provide for ourselves. No matter how hard we try, no matter how kind we are to people, no matter how many things we do, no matter how much we try to be a better person, we could never do enough to pay for our own sin. We required somebody that could write off our debt to clean our state slate, which is exactly what Jesus did. Colossians 2, 13 to 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Jesus has paid the price, the penalty for our sin in whole. He's forgiven us. Who is thankful today that Jesus has forgiven you, that Jesus has given you new opportunities, that you don't have to hold the shame, the condemnation, all of those things that go along with your sin. And he's given us in return forgiveness, freedom, and friendship. Now the third party in the story, the other servant represents to us the people who offend us. The people who challenge us, the people who hurt us. And if you're like me, they're, they're numerous. There's a lot of people in my life that have done things that have hurt me, that have made me upset, that have caused pain and hurt in my life. And I want to say this. We all have people that have wounded us in our life. I do not want to discount the pain or the hurt that anybody here has suffered or is suffering. It's real. It's legitimate. And it's not easy to forgive. I'm not saying that it is. It requires great courage and tremendous humility to forgive people. But Jesus not only expects us to forgive, he demands that we do it so that we can receive his forgiveness. This is non-negotiable. It's the terms of the agreement of the blood of the cross. Jesus says, if I forgive you, you must forgive other people. And not only once, but 70 times seven. Why that number? Because it means every single time. It means that you do not have an offense tally where you go, well, you know what? I forgave them 10 times already. I'm not doing it on number 11. No, Jesus says we are called to forgive. And I know it might sound impossible. It isn't. It's challenging. It's not impossible. And I think sometimes we forget that there's an incredible 
cost to unforgiveness. We don't think about this. You see, unforgiveness not only impacts our lives, but it touches the lives of everyone around us, especially our family. You see, when it is left unchecked, unforgiveness damages people and relationships for generations. Maybe you know it. Maybe you know people that held on to bitterness, held on to offenses, and the things that it's done in their families and their relationships that have just been horrific in their life. We see this in the story because not only did the man was the man, the first man sent to prison, but Jesus, but the Bible says that he sent his family together as well. Why? Because it hurts people. The point is that unforgiveness hurts everyone around us. There's a statement that says, hurt people hurt people. It means that we pass on our hurts until we have the courage to deal with them and release them. And my prayer today is that we will be people of courage, that we will follow Jesus in every part of our life, that we will learn, no matter how difficult it is, that there is a great blessing when we are willing to forgive those who hurt us. You see, unforgiveness robs people of rest. I believe it's even connected to sickness and disease that people have. I love this statement, and I've shared this in other messages before, but holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. We hope to punish the other people, but we only end up hurting ourselves. You see, unforgiveness is a vicious, vicious trap. It keeps you from growing. It keeps you from moving forward. It keeps you from receiving God's blessing. And more importantly, it keeps you from receiving his forgiveness, which is essential for every single one of us. You see, I believe the Bible tells us how do we forgive? What do, how do we forgive from our heart? How do we release things? I believe that one of the ways that we have to learn to do that is we learn to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm to do what you've asked me to do. And we learn to say, Father God, would you give me a love and a compassion, the same love and compassion that you have for me. God, would you fill my heart with it so I can extend it to other people, especially to those who don't feel, it doesn't seem like they deserve it or even want to sometimes receive it. In Matthew 18, a little bit before that, Jesus talks about how do we handle offenses. The Bible says if you have an offense that you can't let go of, you're first of all, you're called to go to them. You go to them. You don't go to your friend. You don't go to your community board and you talk about every, how, what people have done to you. You don't stir it up in your family. Can I say this? You don't even come to the church, uh, uh, your small group leader and leaders with this whole thing like, well, I just got something I want to share with you, you know, so-and-so. They did this and oh, what should we do? No, you know what we should do. We go and we talk to them. It would save a lot of issues from building. We don't need church tattletales. 
I thought we learned that in elementary school. What we need are people that have the courage to do things God's way and to trust him. And the Bible says, then if they don't respond, what do you do? Then you bring somebody with you, but not somebody to go to them and to prove that, you know what, you are a bad person. Look at me, I brought my person and we all agree with that you're awful and evil. And you need to recognize how evil you are. The heart of God and the word of God is all about reconciliation. You bring somebody to come and say, you know what, how do we help? Get this fixed. How do we, how do we repair this? How do, we, how do we make this right? And if they still won't, re, won't do it, then the Bible says you bring them to church leaders. And if people will not deal with what's in their heart, then don't have relationship with them anymore. Because you really don't have relationship anyways. You continue to pray. You continue to believe And here's what I want you to know, regardless of what other people's responses are to us, we are still called to forgive. I know this is not easy, but when you forgive, you will find incredible freedom. You see, the release starts in our heart. It's not ignoring of the problem. It's not avoiding our feelings. I've seen so many people that are like, I just won't talk to them anymore. I just won't have anything to do with them. It's not that. It's, it's, it's being willing to forgive them so that God will touch them and, and change them. And I have to tell you that sometimes it's, it is something we have to do every day. Man, if you've been through some things and people have hurt you, I'll guarantee you the enemy's going to remind you of what they did. What do you do with that? You forgive them again. The enemy's like, do you remember that? Yeah, but I just got to forgive them again. But they did, yeah, but forgive them again. <laughs> you continue to give it to God by his grace. I'm going to finish with this. Those of you who know me know that my childhood and my teenage years were filled with great difficulties and challenges. I experienced physical and verbal abuse, seasons of abandonment, and moments of rejection, and that was just from my family. Last summer, I discovered that for the first few weeks of my life, this was brand new news to me, that I lived with a foster family. It brought back a mixture of emotions and feelings, things that I hadn't felt or thought about for a while. I had feelings of gratefulness that there were people that took care of me. I was thankful that my, my family eventually brought me back and did all that. But I also began to feel those feelings of abandonment and rejection that decades before I, th- I, I knew I had conquered them. But here I was facing these emotions again, wrestling with things. Now, my choice that day was, would I give in to those feelings? Would I continue to allow those feelings to fester? Or would I forgive and release again? And I've got to be honest, it took me a whole day. (laughs) I really struggled for a day or two. But when I got to the end of it, I began to remember, God, you've forgiven me of so many things. 
And I know I've made so many mistakes in my life. God, I want to forgive. Help me to forgive again. God, teach me how to keep forgiving. Maybe some of you are like me and feel like you have a PhD in forgiveness because you've had so many opportunities, so many people and situations that have hurt you and wounded you and impacted you. Or maybe you're here today and you've struggled with different situations and things. Maybe there's something that's just happened recently that has caused pain in your heart. Maybe there's something that's happened years ago and you just feel like you're trapped in a time warp. I believe God is here. Holy Spirit is here. Saying, come follow me. And the key to following me is to be able to forgive. Forgiveness releases freedom. I'm believing God for your freedom today. There are some here today that you're just like, God, it's so, so much. All those things that have been said, those words that were spoken about me. Lord, it's those things that, that, that were done, that, 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 the words that were spoken by those who I trusted, the betrayals. God, can you not see the betrayals? Those activities that were done in secret where you were violated. that nobody knows about. And I just hear God saying today, where sin abounds, my grace abounds more. And God's just saying, will you give it to me? Give it to me. I have so much for you. Let me touch those places in your heart. because you have an incredible future today. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your world. But I believe Jesus is here to help you. And so, as Holy Spirit just begins to speak, maybe he's going to bring something. I believe that God's revealing some things to people. Maybe you haven't remembered it thought about it for a bit and he's bringing something back or maybe it's been something that's consumed you just in this moment here will you make a commitment saying God I'm, I'm releasing this to you God I've given this to you whatever it is would you just give it to God would you just begin to give it to God and then when, when those thoughts come back in your mind uh, would you just say I'm giving it to you again and when it comes back five minutes from now would you say God I'm giving it to you again when it comes back tomorrow morning when you get up would you just say God I'm going to give it to you again I'm going to trust you again I'm releasing it again God and Lord I pray for those today Father that I pray for those who are carrying these incredible weights, Jesus, that you will bring a release into their heart and to their spirit and into their mind. 
Lord, I pray for a new freedom as they, as they honor you, Father God, by giving these burdensome things to you. Lord, would you heal them? And God, I just ask for a release of grace into this place. It's the key. It's the key to life.